If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only mr zach posen hi 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 happy to be here well thank you for doing this welcome you were just saying you're in bucks county at your parents house it looks so relaxing you have a fireplace yep well First of all, before we get into anything, congratulations on the outfit. I mean, costume designer for this unbelievable movie, which I cannot wait to see, starring Zoe Deutsch and Dylan O'Brien. I want to talk all about this, how it came about, your inspiration for this movie. Sure. Before we get to the present, just, you know, from one nice New York City Jewish boy to another, I want to start at the beginning. It's such an iconic career. Like, so I just want to start at the beginning. I like to get to know people when they're here for the first time. Like, when you were growing up on the Lower East Side in Soho, like, when did you, like, when did you first realize, like, you know, that fashion was your calling? Was it at a really young age? Wow. You know, I think growing up in Soho, in New York City, you know, it was an amazing time when fashion kind of was on the streets of New York in such a strong way. So it was definitely very much there. Um, but my first love was theater and film. And my dad recorded all the great classics uh, and all the Hollywood films and international films and kind of like showed us everything. And then, you know, my parents took my sister and I to as much theater as possible so that was really my first love and then that kind of transitioned into you know self-expression and fashion on the subways and seeing how far I could push it and uh you know fun time in the mid-90s to be a teenager do you remember like you know those early years the lean years like when you were just first starting out does that seem like another lifetime to you or do you remember those vividly no, I remember them really definitely a lifetime ago. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I had a blast uh, in my teenage years. You know, that's when I first sort of got into fashion. My mom said, like, time to get a summer job. And I got an internship um, on 7th Avenue. So that was like my first experience actually like seeing what was then even more so like the city within the city you know, and the garment district in New York was like hustling and bustling and bubbling and stitching. And it was like crazy. And, you know, I kind of loved it. And then I was interning at the Costume Institute at the Metropolitan Museum every day after school. So I was just like immersing myself as much as possible. Then I'd go and work at this uh, resale like fashion store uh, that was on the Upper West Side. I'd cross the park 
after that and work a few hours there. And, you know, it was also like the mid to late nineties in New York where there was still like subculture. And so, you know, that's when I started going out in New York and, you know, really got the kind of tail end of an amazing nightlife scene that existed still in New York. So, you know, we would go to Jackie 60s at Mother, you know, and, you know, there was a whole, you know, kind of underworld performing nightclub scene. And it was really cool to kind of see and get the kind of last tail end of it. Uh, So yeah, it was very formative, I would say, you know, New York at that time period. And then I left and went to England for design school at Central St. Martin's. And that had its own, you know, major influence on me. Came back and started my company really young. And, you know, have I watched with my company and growing in fashion, I watched my world in fashion before did I entered fashion before digital was in fashion and I really watched that come with this big wave so when I started fashion it was still like the old fashion system and all these rules that had been established and settled in very strongly about the roles between you know retail and editorial and all the hierarchies were like really strong and in place the you know when i started like every city in this country sent like domestic reviewers to fashion week right Mm -hmm. and like slowly those started to become one newspaper i just watched a huge change and um you know when i started my company i felt this really strong urgency that new york city kind of needed needed me and uh, it was just, I did my first show uh, right after 9-11. And, you know, from there, over the next 20 years, you know, grew my company and got to travel the world and, uh, you know, be involved in a lot of different diverse projects. And, you know, you know, was proud to grow a business with such incredible artisans in New York City. And, you know, my city has given me a lot and I've given given my city a lot too. Um, And then I think right before the pandemic, um, a good friend of mine, Scoop Wasserstein, who I'd been working with on a different project uh, for streaming or television that we're still working on, uh, you know, said, will you read this script? What do you think of this script? And I read this script and I thought, you know, this is amazing it's great and i have some ideas and then he put me in touch with the writer who is graham moore and you know not just graham moore graham moore is like an award-winning oscar-winning uh you know screenwriter and he wanted to direct this film and uh so then uh i met with him and and we went over the script and i had some ideas and notes just technical stuff about tailoring or cutting and that's not necessarily my training but it's something I know quite a bit about and um generally I have a lot of kind of good I'm good at kind of notes with screenplays and I yeah. over the years read them a lot and you know whether it's for friends who are actors or whatnot um uh, going back to my first love of theater and film and uh 
From there, I went to a reading at CAA, an early reading of it. And I just thought this flows, like this project flows really tightly. And, you know, then I thought we were going to go into kind of production and then COVID happened and it got kind of stretched out for a long time, for over like a year. And in that period of time, uh, there was a lot of research being sent back and forth. And then kind of really quickly, um, you know, about a year and a half ago, it was like, I guess it was like the end of it was like December and they're like, we're going into production. And, um, you know, started putting together color stories. And I also then thought like, we need a really strong tailoring partner in this. Um, and I called friends of mine at Huntsman in London, which is Savile Row tailoring spot. And uh, they read the script and they loved it. And like I thought, and then at that point, simultaneously, um, the production got scheduled to be in London, right outside of London. So that kind of worked. Uh, and then unfortunately, I was unable to go to the UK during the filming production. Uh, and um, we uh, hired Sophie O'Neill as a co-costume designer and she was like the secret sauce ace in this project and she had amazing taste, uh, great resources to pull from in a very short amount of time with a, you know, with, in a, you know, in a, I would say, you know, how to make a lot out of a little uh, in a short period of time. And we had this amazing component of Huntsman. So first it started with the visual inspiration going back and forth at the same time we built like a color story that I put together. Uh, and very quickly we had to put together this film and Graham was really involved in the process. I say to the power of technology, I was able to be on Zoom and see my dailies every day and production calls. Uh, and, you know, every detail was put together in this film and it's quite subtle, but actually a lot went into the thought process of like what a Savile Row cutter tailor would be doing in Chicago in the mid fifties. And what would those suits look like? Because the British suit of that time period or what even Mark wears in the film is very different than stylistically what was about to happen and happening in like gangster style, which was, you know, looking at a lot of, you know, early crooners and different elements, but it was still tied to the past. Right. Kind of before the world went modern, right? right. It's like right before that period. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and how to develop, you know, costumes and characters that, costumes that really helped support the character and the actors, because that's what good costumes should do. It shouldn't feel like a cost. This wasn't, shouldn't be like a costume drama because it would go too campy then. Right. And right. this way to be very focused that it was really about the words and the storytelling and subtleties because the film kind of flows and then it builds. Right. right? And it's surprising. The arc of the film is a surprising arc. Um, and it takes place in one setting and it's quite dark and moody and the colors and textures of the suits kind of come out in the close-ups 
and then they, you know, it's quite subtle. It's very subtle. What do you, to get you here, what do you consider like your first big break, like back in the day? Like, what do you, I mean, I I could give you my opinion of when, (laughs) you know, you burst onto the scene. Gosh, uh, my first big break. I mean, you know, I think that um, first big break, I mean, I think um, there's a few kind of major components that happened. I mean, the New York Times wrote a piece when I was in design school called The Star is Born in what was then the fashion of the Times, which is now T Magazine. And that was kind of like a writer saw a dress of mine at a party, right? And it was like, they found me and it was like the story of this dress and where I was. And I was like a kid on my Christmas break back home but I was like in London kind of making, you know, these like one of a kind t-shirts that were chopped up, tea stained, velvet trimmed with leather epaulets that I would be selling at like small little stores. Um, And at the same time I had met Naomi Campbell. She had seen a piece of clothing of mine and kind of tracked it down and wanted to meet me. And, And that's kind of, kind of where I'd say like that, it started and then I had amazing angels and mentors along the way from Cal Ruttenstein, who was kind of like an icon in fashion and was, you know, ran Bloomingdale's and uh, Isabella Blow. Uh, And then I think, you know, pretty quickly into that, um, Natalie Portman wore a dress of mine from my first full runway show. I'd done two collections and my first full runway show and she wore that to the premiere of Star Wars right. in New York. And that was a big breakthrough moment because I remember um, waking up that next morning. And again, we're talking like, I don't know, 2002, I think probably. And like it was on the cover of like the Post and the Daily News. And it's like premieres happen, but like celebrities and like a dress and a moment don't always make it to the cover of I think it was like on that and it was like on the back flip of the New York Times in a smaller photo but it was like on the cover of three major newspapers and I just knew that that and from the press that was happening like that was like a major major moment and besides that I don't know I still think I haven't arrived every day is like a new yeah yeah I think like each project is its next arrival I mean I feel confident in work I've made and contributions I've made. Um, but like every day is a new day. Interesting. Were you, I mean, you know, like early twenties, were you nervous when like someone like, you know, a Naomi Campbell is like tracking you down. And I mean, do you, were you, that's kind of a big thing, you know, were you like, Oh my God, it's Naomi Campbell. Or you were like, okay, this is work. I can handle this. It was exciting. I mean, I was just saying anything to like get my foot in the door or to be part of it you know, was really, really exciting and thrilling. And I was just like, you know, you, you kind of go with it, right. You kind of go with that gusto and ride the winds, um, you know, and, and, you know, then it becomes survival mode, building and survival mode for a long time. I'll admit it as important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate. 
I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority. And I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. I'm going to be honest. Listen, I've heard so much about meditation, but I really didn't think it was something that would ever work for me. That is until I found the Calm app. Calm helps you feel more at ease from the moment you start. So find somewhere that's comfortable and familiar to you, like your couch or your bed, and tune into Calm. Calm is the number one mental wellness app, and it gives you the tools that improve the way you feel. You could use Calm for so many different things. You can reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations. You can improve your focus with curated music tracks. And you can rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. I turn to Calm because, hey, I'm a New Yorker and I have trouble sleeping. What I love about Calm is there's so many different things that they offered for sleep. Stories, sleep soundscapes like rivers and brooks. I also love the music, but Calm can also help you focus, self-improvement, reduce stress. It really is a great app to improve the quality of your life. For listeners of Behind the Velvet Robe, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm Premium subscription at com.com slash velvet rope. Go to com.com slash velvet rope for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's com.com slash velvet rope. What are you doing right now? Okay, fine. You're taking a break from the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast right now. But what are you doing as soon as this podcast is over? Well, listen, you're wasting your time if you're not playing June's Journey. We literally spend hours here talking about the Real Housewives. And let me tell you, you think they're tough? They ain't got nothing on June. If you play June's journey, you play as June Parker. She's an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries. How fierce is she? Let me tell you, she's fierce. The mysteries are full of twists and turns around every corner. And you put your powers of observation to the test. You get to sharpen your sleuthing skills. And you get to relish in the thrill of solving the case. The more I... I play, the better I get. But you know what? The thrill of solving the case never goes away. There's hidden clues. There's danger. There's romance. I'm telling you, it is better than Real Housewives. Don't believe me? Play for yourself. So listen, there's a detective in all of us. Find your inner detective and download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. What's it like, you know, there's so much written about her, you know, throwing phones and airplanes. What's it like to actually work with Naomi Campbell? Like you've worked with her a lot throughout your career. Um, Naomi is incredibly generous and professional and passionate and truly a deeply, deeply caring person and believes, you know, strongly uh, 
in the importance and power of fashion, but also, you know, um, as a humanitarian and she's quite an extraordinary woman. And, you know, she has, you know, built herself into, uh, you know, into an incredible empire in business. And it's an amazing watching her through different journeys of that. Totally. What was it like after that Natalie Portman dress? Because I remember that was everywhere too. I mean, was it like you said, it was on the cover and the back and every, was it really like yeah. then? It was like a whirlwind, like, oh my God, my phone was ringing before, but now I don't know what uh, it, it had started. I mean, I was doing like, you know, I mean, I, I, in that time period, I mean, I just can't remember. Oh, I didn't have a cell phone. So I'll put it that way. That was like, you had to call the studio. But pretty shortly after that, you know, once you're in fashion on the fashion kind of treadmill or on the roller coaster, it doesn't get off, right? It's like you have a collection every six months, then it becomes every three months. So pretty quickly after that second collection, um, I had started my business in my parents' living room loft, the space, um, which is where I'm working now, which is kind of full circle in this crazy way because they live in the country. Um, but, uh, you know, it was on to the next collection, right? And it was kind of like, how are we going to put on the next collection? Um, you know, I don't come from a trust fund. Like this was really like putting the shit together and figuring out how to fund this and raise sponsorship. And, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty whirlwind, just what I would say. It just didn't, you know, it was on to the next collection already. What about, you know, so many designers, I think, work like, you know, well, first of all, a lifetime and never achieve, you know, some of the opportunities and success that you have had. But certainly even those that do, it happens like later in life to a lot of them, you know, yeah. Did you appreciate this? You know, they say like, you know, youth is wasted on the young. That's saying like, did you appreciate all this when you were early 20s and like had all of this happening? You know, I think when you're so young and um, all that, you know, when you have so much attention on you. Um, and I think through my career, you know, I think A, it, it becomes somewhat, it can be something enticing. Right. I, I think you just kind of, you know, I was very primed for it in a way. Like it was, it used a lot of different kind of skill sets of mine and some probably that were not to my benefit. I would say like, you know, fashion has a, has a way of celebrating using and then disposing of. Right. So I experienced that really quickly in that and was very aware of that. Um, I definitely was always very appreciative. I think I don't, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, I don't think I was as aware of how transient things can be or how careful, you know, how, how nuanced and careful things need to be. Now, I would say that I think that um, I believe it was a much less uh, forgiving time period. I think that designers today, um, because of the internet and social media, have a lot more ability to kind of put out their own message through their own um, medium. And I also believe that the public has a much larger, powerful voice within how collections are perceived. 
Um, so there was a great deal when I started, I think of, um, as I said before, like the system and like the powers that be all needed to be appeased. You need to get a certain amount of like years of good reviews from certain publications in order for like this department store to pick you up. Like there were all these like things and reviewers were tough. I mean, I don't think people generations now, you know, have a Kathy Horn or Bridget right. Foley, you know, in her prime. Like, I mean, I was getting a lot of attention and being celebrated. I also was like being ripped a new one right off the bat. So it was like, I had both in a really strong, strong way. It was very polarizing for people. Um, and I don't regret anything. <laughs> I just don't, you know, I really had a blast. Um, I always took it very seriously. I definitely didn't take it for granted because I was like a workaholic always. Um, But I do think, you know, looking back, there's definitely, you know, pieces or items were, you know, were very painfully, you know, put together, thought about when I now can look back and then say like, who cares? Like, you know, it's all about the effect. Or times and places when I wish I had trusted more of my instinct, not listened to like PR and just gone with it more. Maybe it would have been the wrong timing. You know, often I think kind of my energy and the vibrato that that carries with it and my creativity would have been really primed for like where fashion is today. But I'm happy that I had this experience of, of where it was because I saw a different system before and there was a lot more money in fashion then in, in a lot of ways. Um, not as much support for young designers. Like that wasn't a thing when I started. There, weren't a, uh, there wasn't a young designer world out there. It was, yeah. you know, it was, I entered and like the young designers, you know, at the time were like 30 years plus. Or 20 right. years plus. And there was like a big gap that had happened in fashion globally, not just in America. And that's starting to changed. break in. Right. Yeah. And that's no, changed. I mean, I think it did change a great deal. And that's been interesting to watch and be part of. And I think that, you know, I remember like I look back like when I showed in Paris and like what a big hoopla that was for that. And, you know, like since then, and, you know, I feel like I took a lot of hits, like pretty much every, you know, American brand has like gone and done that, you know, with, without like drama attached to it. Somehow right. I got the drama, the whole drama push at the beginning of that. But, you know, I think to be an original, you have to take risk and be a trailblazer and kind of, um, you know, I, I, I'm really proud of what I built with my brand. And today, um, yeah, I'm working on building a new brand, not under my name. And that's kind of exciting too. And it totally be able to like relook at the whole, the whole industry and like how I want to do something that feels fresh and exciting and representative of where I am creatively now. Well, I think also you were, to me, like one of the, I don't want to put ideas in your head if they're not true, but like you were one of the first designers that kind of, I thought, understood from a young age, like the importance of like, you know, that it's a business and celebrity, like the marriage of like yeah. celebrity and fashion through like Naomi and other and others. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I went out to Hollywood at when I had just turned 
I think 22, right? I mean, like my first year in business, um, I got sent out. I did my first trunk show that was timed, must have been 22, timed with, uh, with during Oscar weekend, right? So that was the beginning of my dressing. I mean, I just always knew that it was important to be doing that. And at the time, it wasn't cool to do that. Like, it wasn't cool to dress celebrities, right? It was like, wasn't cool to have celebrities in your front row at a runway show. Like, that was disdained and looked down to by, like, the high fashion press. And it was like, no, like, and it was like, no, this, like, I don't think people totally understood or they thought that fashion that it was a business and that in order to like, you had to play a global game in order to become a, a big brand. Right. And that's interesting that they didn't think, you know, you should have celebrities in your front row. I mean- At the is, time, I mean, it yeah. changed. Yeah, celebrities are social. It's like the whole thing changed really fast. How did we get here? You know, I mean, now it's, I mean, where are we? I mean, it seems like it's- Sorry you know, it's all about the celebrity and that sense of the business, you know, I mean, you hear so many stories. Well, I think that there's also like <laughs> an interesting way to do it as well. Like, I mean, I'm, I look really careful. Like, I think to me, like the, 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 the old system feels really tired now to me. Like when I watch it, like it's not, and I, I try to like ask myself, is it because I'm not in that system, but like, it's just feels a little bit less relevant and important than it used to. I mean, obviously important because I was like in the game and doing the dressing, but um, it just doesn't. I don't have that same praise or anticipation about like, you know, who and what they're wearing to the Oscars. It's because I think it became really business. You know, there was a time when like, I don't know, actors were more involved in, in what they were wearing or cared less in a way. So it's like, if somebody was really high glamour, they would go into that. If they weren't, they weren't. And I think that was really cool. Um, and, um, you know, we're just in a different time, but I think it will go through another cycle where it becomes exciting. I mean, I think then fashion kind of shifted off of even the actors to just celebrity. And now celebrity it's not even there it's more influencers so it just like keeps evolving um but i think at the end of the day like great talent shines through right and we'll get celebrated you know the role that fashion plays in it um you know is we'll see but that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say now like the definition of celebrity has changed and you know the kardashians that is our the closest thing I think America has to a royal family, love them or hate them. That just is what, you know, you yeah, have. But I saw that like way before, you know? And I mean, that was its own. I brought Kim to her first like Vogue event. And that was, you know, it was like scandal. I mean, it was like really ridiculous. And I was like, well, she's like the biggest, one of the biggest stars in the world. I remember saying she's actually really smart, really ambitious. Like she's everything that you know you guys believe in you know whether that's you know whether the image is not how you feel like what's cool or present yourself well look at it I mean I think the way that her role right now like with Balenciaga plays is really kind of interesting 
and it is definitely mutually beneficial and being done really smartly. I mean, you look at like, I don't know if you've seen those latest, like what she just wore it like in Paris, like that, that. The tape. Yeah, that was, that was everything to me. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I agree. You brought, you brought Kim to her first Vogue event. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. CFG Vogue event. Yeah. And that was a major scandal (laughs) at the time. People were like, are you crazy, Zach? Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. She's like going to be the biggest star in the world. And I introduced her to Carl Lagerfeld. And, you know, and I, he looked at her and said like, oh my God, it's like Nefertiti. And, you know, want to take her photo. And that was it. So do we have you to thank for this Kim Kardashian fashion icon no. that we see before us today? Absolutely not. She, she, she has herself and, and, and her family. And, you know, I was, uh, you know, happy. You know, I, I like spotting and, you know, kind of having that sense for, uh, you know, for, you know, people who, who are really going for it and ambitious. I don't, would never take credit for somebody's own. She, she, she's her own hardworking, independent woman. I just thought I would ask. I mean, but you do, like you said, I mean, how do you feel about people like, you know, Kim with Skims and, you know, like Victoria Beckham, like all these, it's different now, you know, like, I mean, these are legitimate brands. Yeah, I mean, great. I, I mean, I think it's, always, listen, there's always been, um, you know, I think there's always crossover and I think, that's interesting. I mean, I don't think it's like taking market share per se, right? It's like they're creating marketplaces. You gave Ashley Olsen her first internship opportunity. Yeah. Working out is a necessary part of life. We all work out, right? Now, here's the thing. Doing the same thing in your workout day after day, that gets really boring and really tiring. Right, guys? Are you with me? Listen, Peloton is pushing you further with so much new. They're pushing you further with so much new on the Peloton Bike, the Peloton Bike Plus. There's everything. Peloton is stepping into the ring with its newest discipline, no gloves needed, boxing. They also have a new artist series music selections. You can add certain types like rock music or hip hop or just EDM, or you can show you can go like genre, or you can go like one particular artist. You guys know I love the Madonna. Hello. You could de-stress from a long day with 30 minutes of strength and 20 minutes of cardio, or do a quick 15-minute total body class before work. Yoga, meditation, dance cardio i could go on all day you guys and that's why i love peloton listen visit onepeloton.com to learn more that's o-n-e-p-e-l-o-t-o-n.com to learn more what who were some of your early influences like was it like the theater like in what you saw at the theater or did you have like you know actors actresses like people in your life like when you were starting out like what was the i mean your dresses and all your yeah for sure i mean i i definitely you know, had, you know, my, my, when I was starting out, I wasn't thinking red carpet ever. It wasn't really like on my radar, honestly, like that really, no, it wasn't like a thing. Right. And red carpets weren't like the, you know what I mean? It was like red carpets were for like in style magazine and maybe like some us weekly. That was, you know, and that was maybe some E, television like 
which is a different, you know, media force, but I just, you could feel how important and intoxicating that was. Um, but yeah, my influences, you know, are, are like being a cultural received dish. So it, it's, it's a large, you know, it can be from like nature to, you know, to Broadway to, you know, all different kind of facets of, of the world and culture. What about, you know, people trying to break into the industry now? Like, what do you think the biggest challenge is now for like young designers? Oh, I mean, I think that saturation, sorry, I just lost an AirPod. Um, <laughs> saturation of, of the industry is, is a huge issue, right? I mean, it's, it's where I think that scalability is a challenge i think obviously sourcing with the supply chain right now is is really challenging pricing is a challenge uh i think like how and what you sell is kind of in a moment of redefinition right now um and i think the size of a business is kind of in challenge like you know i came from a time when the goal for any company was to become like a behemoth you know, or like a luxury house or a publicly traded company, right? And in some ways, then like the American financial system got behind that, you know, in a strong way. But then, you know, luxury and fashion doesn't have the speed of return as an app. Right. It, it just doesn't, right? So um, expensive. Fashion's expensive. To, to operate and run. And so I think my advice is to start small, be okay with being small um, and being able like find out like how long you can sustain something as small as possible. Because at the end of the day, one thing that always will, um, you know, kind of, I think will always kind of keep things in desire is rarity. To me, like rarity kind of is what defines luxury. And, uh, you know, it's not material, it's, it's rarity. So I think keep something small, rare, um, get as much for young people getting into it, get as, you know, if, you're, if you make clothing that you can wear, wear it yourself, be your best, you are always your best ambassador. I think today you have to be willing to be out there um, as a public face of your company. I think like, you know, even the people you think are shy or not, you know what I mean? It's like, they might be shy, but it's like within the persona, like you're, you've become a brand in a self or, or have like a really strong line, you know, and don't give interviews and don't allow yourself to be seen. Which is a brand in and of itself. Correct. And exactly. to your point, it's, choice. It, it's rarity. What about, look, you were there for many seasons. What about a show like Project Runway? I mean, do you think that those, that that show or those type of shows work anymore? I think they're entertaining. Um, I'm sure, you know, they, I haven't watched this season. Um, I'm sure that, you know, it gives an opportunity for talent, right? Um, 
do I think, I don't think it's really representative of the fashion industry right now. You know, it's its own thing in itself. How is it not But I'm sure like being on the, well, it's the same way like being on The Voice is not representative of like what it's going to be like per se to have like a pop career, right? I mean, you know, yes. doing a runway show is very different than, you know, it's just a different process, right? It's, uh, you're, you know, in fashion, you're producing clothing. It's, it's different than one-off per se pieces in a short period of time, you know, with, you know, you create your own challenges to just that you have to discover in fashion where I think one should. Right. No, I, I mean, loved I, I, being, I loved, I loved being on Project Runway. You know, it was an amazing experience being a judge for like six years. I had a blast with my crew and, you know, it was an amazing family. Um, and, you know, meaning and Heidi, you know, that was our summer camp for at least six years of my life. And when I was on the show, it definitely gave me a great visibility. The show was internationally syndicated at the time. I'm not sure if it still is, but um, you know, it was it was between that and writing my cookbook and launching that. Uh, and there was a feature doc that was made on me that I did not produce that was also launching and out and Brooks Brothers and Delta Airlines all at the same time. It was a lot, you know, you talk about like the heat at the beginning of the career. That was all preparation for me having to be like some sparkling machine, you know, for like a seven year run basically of being on. And I was on a plane every three days. You were busy. And on camera, I was on camera pretty much every day for, a long time filming something and and nobody would have accepted zoom at the time so it was always in person set up in my office and i'd go from there to like fitting a collection and i was overseeing about 16 collections a year wow. you know it was it was definitely you know a rhythm so i'm really happy about now where i can kind of look at that reflect on that see the world where we're at and figure out, you know, kind of where and what my next voice will be. I'm, I'm you know, very lucky. I do one of a kind pieces um, selectively, a lot of bridal pieces. It's, it's definitely a very, talking about rarity and luxury, it's very rare and it's very luxurious and very hands-on. Um, and it's been really fun to do those kind of projects. Well, also the Met Gala, the dress you did for Claire Danes with lights. I mean, talk about rare. Yeah, totally. And produced. We actually sold, I think at the time, like at least a handful of those, which is wow. kind of wild. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, somebody, I remember they ordered that in Korea without lights. And I thought, well, okay, that is bizarre, but sure. Um, and uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Claire was amazing at the Met and Claire's a really old, Claire has been on my journey with me from before I started my, you know, career and entered it. Um, and, you know, I think there's some, you kind of realize at the end of the day, when you step back, like friends are important, your family's important, food's important. And fashion. <laughs> yes. 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 And yes. What is it like to work with Rihanna? 
No, Rihanna's incredible. I mean, I met Rihanna really, really early on. I think I took her on one of her first red carpets ever, which was the VH1 Vogue Fashion Awards. Um, and Rihanna's, you know, a wonderful, sweet, you know, ferocious, fierce woman. I don't know. I mean, it's amazing to have watched each other grow up. I mean, we were like baby babies when we met. Um, you know, she had just had her first single on a CD and came to my studio. And, you know, I've been working with her ever since from, you know, early iconic moments, you know, and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of her, most of her red carpet, I was dressing her, uh, you know, through the whole early stage of her career and then later with the diamond ball and then in oceans eight um yeah she's she's loyal and and has a really strong opinion and keen eye and a hard-working she's amazing and gorgeous she's like so beyond beautiful in person it's unbelievable she is yeah do you ever, I mean, you know, all these people like Kim, Rihanna, Miley, I mean, you've worked, do you ever get starstruck? I mean, you go to the Met Ball, you see all these like, you know, just it never happens. You're shaking your head. No, yeah, not rarely. I mean, I remember as a teenager in New York, um, I think like the last time I got really starstruck was like probably in like 98 or something like meeting Johnny Depp. And I was like a shrieking teenage girl <laughs> at the time in the bathroom. Um, do I ever get starstruck? I think it's a great question. I mean, you know, sometimes in like, that's not true. I think I got starstruck when I did my first trunk show in LA and when I first met Angelica Houston. Really? That was like an OG starstruck moment. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's other like yeah no I, I you know people are people and I think you know I don't know I think um you know I've worked with such an amazing array of people yeah um and I've been really fortunate to dress different talents from different fields all around the world um you know each one is its own exciting beginning of a relationship or sometimes not but it's uh you know it's pretty cool I mean I definitely pinch me pinch me moments but you know I'm really in it right so it becomes really collaborative like what's a pinch me moment off the top of your head gosh a pinch me moment um like I mean pinch me moment uh You know, Debbie Harry was a pinch me moment at the last Met Gala. It's just like Debbie goddamn Harry. It's pretty cool. Um, or dressing Michelle Obama, uh, you know, for, for, you know, for really important moments, you know, and, and really kind of teaching at the White House. That was a pinch me moment to wow. like students about fashion and creativity. Um, you know, my first kind of trip to mainland China was a pinch me moment when I realized that kind of, you know, we had made it and like they 
you know, there were like fans outside the hotel and I was, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, doing any song or dance here. I'm like presenting a collection. I mean, it's kind of, you know, cool when your creativity can connect in that way on a large scale. Listen, you can't be born and raised in New York and not appreciate the icon that is Miss Debbie Harry. Okay. So let's just, yeah. Like, yeah, you know. that's like a crazy moment or, you know, I don't know between that and like, I don't you know, I'm trying to think of other pinch me moments. Um, you know, dressing Oprah. I don't, you know, these are iconic, crazy things where you're, you know, it's like, what's going to last? Or I remember when I went to the filming of the Sex in the City movie and all three, you know, of the ladies, you know, not SJP, but all the other three ladies were like all wearing my gowns and it was like the wedding scene and they were filming that. Like, that's pretty, pretty cool uh, moment. Uh, in a sense, or, you know, arriving to the Met Gala with my 3D printed dresses and like, you know, having, you know, a blast with this entourage. I was like, whoa, in that kind of arrival moment, or even the last Met Gala having a piece in the collection. Those, you know, those are exciting things. I mean, I, I like simple things too, like, like, you know, a successful plant growing is exciting for me. Those are all good small small pleasures, you know, you know, yeah. The small pleasures. Have you watched in just like that? Are are you like a TV person? I am. I haven't watched that season yet. No. It's good. Not yet. Okay. It's it's better than all the criticism that it's getting. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. Is there someone, I mean, like you said, Oprah, you've worked with, is there someone that just, you know, do you have a wish list? Like, okay, I would love to work with this person if they came across our people. No, I let them come to me. Yeah, I I don't ever put that out. I mean, you know, every season, you know, I look at different people's performances and roles. And, you know, when I was in that game, um, you know, it was was, uh, like a military operation. (laughs) You know, everything was charted out and plans, you know, become, uh, you know, my own chess game and formula in terms of, you know, the award season and the dressing. Uh, and it's something that, you know, definitely was important to the brand, but something that we gave a lot of attention towards because of that, because, you know, it was uh, something that was important to me, but also something that was important to our partners and, you know, and the growth of, of everything with the brand. Um, so, you know, now it's, I don't know. I, I kind of, I kind of think it's cooler like not to dress people for the red carpet. And, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's hard for me because I have so many loyal, caring relationships with so many talent and so many amazing stylists. And, you know, I feel so integrated into the entertainment community uh and i feel like the community the, you know hollywood and has been incredibly big part of my career right and i almost feel closer to the hollywood community than i do to you know whatever the new york fashion community is um and uh you know it's hard to say no you know i get requests in different flows like a lot like daily and it's really you know for me to be able to say like I just don't have you know there's no showroom 
there's, you know, I don't have an archive that I own anymore. But, you know, if you want to make a one of a kind piece, I can do it. I just, I can't, you know, it's not, you know, and I'm happy to for the right person with the right amount of time. <laughs> Sorry, it can get done, see, but, yeah. you know, it's just not my focus right now. Are you, do you miss having your own brand? I mean, you're busy, like, you know, just like I said, the, the costumes in this movie are yeah, brilliant. Yeah, of course, I'm busy because I, I mean, for 20 years, you know, I was the front of a, of, of what had become, you know, a real operation machine. Um, I'm not sure I um, miss having my own brand, but I definitely miss having the resources of a creative process. Um, but I also like being at this kind of new entrepreneurial stage that is very pure uh, and reminiscent to where I feel like I started with a lot more wisdom. Did you love working on the outfit? Was that this was this a career high for you? It was an incredible it was incredible kind of first toe dip, I would say. Um, you know, I wasn't able to be on set. So I had a, I worked with the co-costume designer, Sophie um, O'Neill, who did a spectacular job. So, you know, it was kind of hard. I was getting dailies every day and that was part of the process in the way we're talking right now. So that's kind of was challenging, but also, you know, I'm really happy with the film. I think it's, it's, it's an exciting film. Uh, I think it's beautifully written. I think Graham did an amazing job directing. I'm really kind of blown away by how it all came together and putting together his dream team. I mean, you've done so much. Did you learn anything about yourself as a designer from working on this movie? Absolutely. Um, I, wow. Um, I'm asking well, all the I questions I, here today, Zach. Yeah. All the questions. Did I learn anything. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I learned watching, you know, in this, I, I felt affirmed uh, affirmation watching um, the, the, the kind of master fitting on Mark, you know, at Huntsman. It was affirming because it's like I could see through the screen. It's like exactly everything I wish I could do on the suit. And then they just did it. And it was like, this is properly how you do something right. Like, no cutting corners or anything like this is how you handle you know something beautifully right and I was like oh I just dying to have them make me a suit one day that's like a dream that's on my wish list because I really appreciate really beautifully custom made clothing and I know that experience because you know that's what I'm doing you know all the time it's, it's doing fittings and you know when you're doing fashion sometimes you kind of have to make smart choices but with a custom suit to this level, like it's just about doing it perfectly and right. And I really, really greatly appreciate that and know how rare that is. How would you describe your own personal style that you dress yourself in? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, it's definitely evolving. I'm way more casual these days as I think a lot of people are. Uh, I mean, I like comfort and you know, elegance and, you know, I definitely have a more casual look in general, but I think like, I always, I like to wear really nice coats. The coat makes the look, um, you know, with flair, you know, I don't know, usually anyhow, it always comes out a little bit 
kind of retro glamour. It's all about the accessory, right? Yeah. Where do you think fashion is going? Like, you know, like you said, like, I think people are dressing more comfortable these days. I mean, the world's open-ish, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We're going to see. I think fashion um, is in a really redefining moment. That's what I would say. And uh, I think that as an industry, we have to really, I think it really like the ecological impact of it has to be really addressed. It's like really serious. And I think that has to be addressed kind of in consumerism. And that's really challenging because it's like, we also as humans need to work. Like it's our whole capital system so it's 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 there's a lot kind of contrasting at play I would say but in general I think um I think it's a lot of fashion and I think you know to me I think that it's gonna kind of redefine itself in the virtual world very it's happening already but I think it's gonna really happen strongly Interesting. What about like you were, you know, the subject of this Netflix documentary, Project Runway, would you ever do more reality TV of any sorts? Um, not, uh, not that I, not really, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Just um, not for but, you. Uh, I, it depends. I, I say never say never is what I would say to that. It's really the answer. Never say never. I, I, you know, um, the right opportunity, you know, the right people for sure. Um, but I'm definitely interested in kind of produced and scripted in general. Right. I mean, and being involved in that, you know, being, even if I'm on camera, being involved in more scripted and developed, you know, pieces like I'm interested in producing you know, more work or even being behind the camera. I like it. Do you watch like, you know, like Real Housewives? Do you watch, or the Kardashians? Like, do you watch any reality TV? Not anymore, no. I mean, I watched like over COVID, like I, my girlfriend for the first time got me into like The Bachelor. Like I never watched The Bachelor. And so I went into like a Bachelor vortex, like watching the body paint, thinking, you know, or like, you know, the secret house that they go to is like Bizarro Land or like Survivor and all this stuff. Um, and of course, I've watched all the shows, but, and I used to watch uh, Housewives of New York like religiously, but I just, you know, I think, um, you know, during the pandemic, like my focus has tried to be more uh, in reality, right? Or just, using creative output than being totally glued to the TV. You listen, you have to at least watch the Real Housewives of New York at some point if you live in New York. Do you have a best dressed Real Housewife of New York or just best dressed housewife? Oh my God, I would never say that. New York is too small a town to name favorites. We like them all, right? Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I'd like to give people a chance at the end. I mean, everyone needs to see this movie. The costumes were amazing, but I feel like anything we didn't, that I didn't bring up that you would like to talk about? No, I think we covered, you know, covered a lot. And 
yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for people to see this film. I think, um, you know, it really stands. I think this is a film to go see in the theater. That's what I'll say. You do. You know, it's something to see the colors. Yeah, I do. I think it's a great film to see in the theater. I think that it's important for people to see films in the theater that are not only um, big, like, sci-fi blockbusters or fantasy blockbusters, because there is nuance and there was a great deal of artistry put into this film that I think you can see on a big screen differently than just at home. I'm fine to never see a big sci-fi movie in the movie theater, so I'm fine with that. I mean, this movie, the, okay. the premise, it's such an interesting story. Like, you feel like this has to have happened yeah. often, you know, in time. So it's... yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's got everything in it. Suspense, period piece. Yeah. I'm fine without big sci-fi. So yes, I, I I I agree. Well, it was great. You know, I appreciate you doing this. Where Thank if everyone you. wants to follow you online that doesn't already follow you, where can they find oh, you? Follow me on Zach Posen at, at, on on Instagram. Just it's there, it's simple. Me. It's it's easy. Well, thank you. I really appreciate this, and everyone needs to thank see you. this movie. Come back anytime. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.